We're back in Revelation, and um, honestly, I expected a few more people than this. I, got, I made 50 copies, but I am very grateful that you are here. Um, and uh, and I, I want to lay out kind of what my intentions are so that you, so you will understand. And that is, um, I, I should have I planned the beginning better than this, because I don't know how to even jump in. But... Um, the book of Revelation, I'm going to start with stuff I didn't write down. I, I did a lot of reading, and my wife is reminding me of something that I, I should have not forgotten, and that is to start with prayer. That would probably help me a lot. Um, dear God, in Jesus' name, uh, we come into the pres your presence. Indeed, we are very aware that we need to praise you from, um, because from you all, all power and glory flow. There, there's... Um, there, there's no other source that we have, and so we need you. Uh, we need you very desperately. So give us your grace this day, um, this night. Help us to understand your word. Open our eyes to behold the wonderful things you have for us there. And uh, God, just guide us in, in our thinking. Indeed, uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, part of my problem is uh, I, did, I was up at the hospital last night with the Savage family, and, uh, so, uh, and then preached today and all of that, so... Uh, I was having trouble remembering, uh, like, y'all's names while I'm sitting up there. I'm going, gosh, I can't think of everybody's name. Um, so uh, that's just what happens to me sometimes. I get a little, get a little tired. But anyway, um, Revelation is a book that I think there's a lot of interest because I think humankind as a whole wants to know what's going to happen. We, we all do. And it's the one thing, or it is one of the things, that God does not let us know too much of. Um, as Christians, we know a little bit, but, uh, but, but the lost world, they got to call, you know, 1-900-PSYCHIC or whatever, and, uh, and, and, and of course, they are fooled by the devil if they do that or just taken for their money, either one. And so, we, we love the, the idea that God has told us what's going to happen in the future, and that's kind of how we see Revelation. And and that's true. There's also prophecy in Daniel. These are our biggest two prophetic books, even though there's prophecies all through the scriptures. But those books have a lot of prophecy in them. So, so there is a lot of interest in Revelation. Now, the way Revelation is written, and again, this isn't in the notes. I know I gave you a lot of stuff there. I'm just going, I, I gave you more than I, I won't read this to you. I'm just going to explain a little bit of it to you. Because I really want you guys to dig in and come up with questions on your own in the text. Tonight, we probably won't even get to the text of Scripture. We're, I'm going to explain some stuff. We'll, I will we'll do a little bit, but not much. But um, you've probably heard Revelation called the apocalypse uh, or apocalyptic literature. And there is some validity in saying those words. Um, but in some ways, Revelation is not apocalyptic. Um, if you look in your Bible at the book of Revelation, um, let's see uh, the title of the book. It's The Revelation. And it says, the revelation to John in mind. It's not the revelation of John, it's to John. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because where do we get the title? First two words of the book. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must, and here's a Greek phrase, soon take place. 
So there, there's a lot in that first verse. Now, if you were with me at the very, very beginning, we started off with this then. We, we need to start off with it again now because this whole book is about Christ. All the Bible's about Christ, right? Okay. Um, and uh, and so, so this book is as well. The reason I said Revelation isn't necessarily apocalyptic literature, there are certain markers uh, for apocalyptic literature. And though we call a lot of things apocalyptic, the, the, the main thrust of that was from 200 B.C. to 100 A.D. So it's only about 300 years. And it arose out of Israel being conquered and Rome ruling them, Greek conquering them, and Rome conquering Greek, all of that. And it was a way of like, yeah, but there's going to come a day and we're going to get freed up and we're going to be okay. And so Revelation has that idea in it of God coming and intervening so that evil is uh, 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 put aside and, and his reign comes. But that literature there isn't like this. This is the revealing of what is actually going to happen. It's the revealing of how Christ is going to work in these last days. So I don't know why, I guess is the right word, God allowed this, or, and maybe he did it on purpose so that people would want to read this book, allow that genre of, of literature come into being about the time that this needed to happen. But if you're not saved and you look at stuff like that, you go, oh, well, John just was writing a whimsical thing, hoping that Jesus was going to come back and set up a kingdom. So... That's what the scoffers would say. Y'all following me, what I'm saying? So we believe that, well, we believe that John the Apostle wrote it. We believe that this is from God to him to tell us what's going to happen. So in that sense, it's not apocalyptic, even though it is apocalyptic. <laughs> okay, so the, the, the content is very like, yeah, he's going he's to come in and, and take over and collect names and punish and, and reward and all those good things. So, the other phrase I said was real important, that first verse, is that must soon take place. And I'm going to show you different ways of interpreting Revelation, because you may not be aware there's more than one way to do that. Um, we reject most of them. <laughs> we, we, we all hold to kind of one thing. Um, but uh, that phrase, uh, that is one of the arguments against the way all of us believe, which is a... a a, um, we call it a um, futuristic viewpoint, and we'll come back to that. And that is, it's going to happen in the future. And so, one of the things they say is, well, he said it would soon take place, and it's been 2,000 years. Well, our, our snide answer, if you want to use that word, snarky is a word that uh, Brother Andy likes to use sometimes. He said, don't be snarky, because I am very snarky. I don't know what it means, but he tells me I am. So, anyway... Um, uh, <laughs> That was snarky, by the way. Um, uh, yeah, thank you, buddy. Um, no, I, I appreciate it, Andy. If, if I'm teasing, I'm, I'm appreciating. Um, is, is what we do say that is snarky is, well, a thousand days is like a, a thousand years is like a day, and a day like a thousand years, so he's only been gone a couple of days. So soon is still soon. Um, and that's 2,000 good reasons why it's even closer, right? Um, so we don't lose hope. We don't, we don't give up. We don't think he's not coming. We know he is. So what I wanted to do, and, and, the, and, and uh, listen, if you handed me this, I'd say, okay, I'm going to take a nap or read something else. So I, I, I understand that. 
But I just wanted to put a little bit in your hands. And trust me, I, I, I was looking at three different books to just pull some of this out so it would make a little bit of sense because my memory uh, when I did study this even more uh, is, is not as sharp as it used to be. So I want to make sure I said it well. So I did not source it. I didn't tell you who they are. I didn't, want to, I didn't bring the books. Come on in, brother. There's a piece of paper right there. Um, but I did just want to at least give you an idea of what's out there. Um, and the other weird thing about what I'm about to tell you is there's four ways and three ways, and they, and they kind of blend and they kind of don't. There's four ways to understand how we interpret it and, and what, is, what is the intent of the book, and then there's three ways to understand, well, is it going to happen, has it already happened, or is it happening now? So having said that very much in general, just look at the paper there for a second. And the first thing is there are methods of interpretation. There's four main ones. One source said five, but I just stuck with the four. Um, but one of those four split in two, and that's the one most of us believe. Um, so the first method is called the preterist. Now, if you want to sound intelligent when you're talking to somebody about the future events, say, well, I, don't, I reject the preterist view. And uh, you'll sound real smart, but if they ask you what it is, you better know what you're going to say. Um, it, it is a contemporary historical interpretation. Now, I'm going to go ahead and warn you because I was writing all this, copying out books and writing it, and I'm going to use the word historical two different ways tonight. I'm going to delineate how I'm using it. In this instance, when it says historical, um, contemporary historical, they mean historical up to now, okay? When we say that Revelation is futurist, we mean it's coming in the future, okay, right? We still think Revelation is going to be in the future. We don't think we've gotten quite there yet. We see the signs. Oh, I see how that could happen. I see how that could happen. We're starting to see that. Um, but I'm going to use the word historical later to mean this is what we believed from the beginning till now. As far as this is what was commonly believed historically. But in this Preterist, what they're saying is, and I, I defined it, it understands the apocalypse, not its fro, it should say from, the standpoint of the first century historical setting. In other words, it's limited to the first century. That is from zero to 100. Um, the preterists hold that the major prophecies of the book were already fulfilled either at the collapse of Jerusalem in 70 AD by Titus the Roman or the fall of Rome by 476. So the preachers say all of Revelation's already happened. Okay? No, we don't believe that. It's, if, if you take it any kind of way literal, that's just, to me, that's not possible. Sorry, I, I, I was determined, my, my wife has been encouraging me. I, um, once, I, once I believe a certain thing, then everything else is just absolutely wrong, you know? I'm that, so, so when I'm talking, I sound that way, and, and sometimes that might not be the best way to sound. So I apologize. If I do that, you please call me out on it. I don't mean to do that. Um, but the major problem with this is what I just said. The major victories that are at the end of the book never happened. There was never a setting up of a kingdom. There was never God ruling and all of that. So there's a problem. Well, if you believe it's already happened, where is Christ? Where is this rule of Christ? Why is the devil still active, you know? So the second one is the historical view, and that's the one most of us hold to. I would, I would, 
I bet dollars to donuts, as they used to tell me when I was a kid, and I'm not a betting man, that everybody in here believes the historical view. And um, I'm sorry, not the historical, it's the next one. I'm, I'm confusing myself. The historical view, and there's a difference between the way the preterists say it and the historical say it. The historical say it's historical up to when I'm alive. In other words, it's still happening. It's historical, but, and well, I wrote it in there. Um, the, the difference is the preterists say it's already finished. The historical say it's still going on. It would be of no use to the initial readers because it, it, it's referring to us later. It was believed to be a sketch of world history of Western Europe, uh, of the French Revolution, um, with individual leaders like Charlemagne and Mussolini. I mean, even up to World War II, people are holding on to this view. Um, and the problem is, in the, again, the summation of the book, there's, uh, it doesn't have the immediate effect and no bearing on the eventual consummation of time and age because it's going to always be happening. It never ends. So it's continually historical. Sorry. Futurist is what all of us in here believe. I don't know how I got that confused. Sorry about that. Um, so we are all futurists. It, I would bet dollars to donuts we're all futurists. And that is everything is still in the future. Now there's coming a time when it's not going to be in the future anymore, right? So it's a, it's a term just to des describe what we mean. And this is the view that from chapter 4 forward, we believe that the first three chapters are historical. That it was for the present church to let them know this is how you... These are things you need to be cautioned against, and that's why we still study it. It's like that could happen in our churches. We looked through those seven churches. We said, hey, you see that in churches? Yeah, we do. See that? Yeah, we do. See that? Yeah, we do. So according to where you're living, time you're living in, what country you're living in, those things can have application to us. But from chapter 4 forward, he's starting to tell us about the end events, the things that are coming. We always say at the end of time, but time doesn't... We don't know what time is. Let me just say it that way. Time was created. Time, there is a marking of time in heaven inside of the book of Revelation. The martyrs in heaven say, how long, O Lord, will you let this go on? So they're aware that time is passing. Does it affect them, and do they see it the same way we do? We don't know. I would suggest probably not, because they have a bigger view, they have a different view. But, but having said that, the futurist view is that time is coming to an end in that Jesus will return and he will set up this, this kingdom. So chapters 4 through 19 um, are basically seen to happen within a seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation. And is believed to be the 70th week of Daniel, um, appearing that appears in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. I told you Daniel's big on prophecy too. Most futurists are also literalist, and that means that what it says is what it is, okay? Um, there's some leeway on that, and I'll explain that as we go forward, too. Um, some people will be less literal and some more literal, but we do believe it is a literal thing. Whether John is using language that he had to explain something he'd never seen before, so it's not literal, literal, it was just the best way he could describe it. Like, well, it looked like a big old dog. Well, it was a wolf. Well, it's not, well, I said it was a dog, and a wolf doesn't look like a dog, but it looks something like a dog. See what I'm saying? 
So th that's, that's what I mean by literal, non-literal. Um, that, that's the only difference. Do we believe it literally happens? Yes. But God does use, a, does use symbology and different things in Scripture to, to give us ideas. So sometimes we need to back out and go, is, there a, is God trying to tell us something other than ABC? Is he trying to tell us, but between ABC is A, 1, 2, 3, B, 4, 5, 6, C, you know. We have to look at it, and you know what, and I forgot to put something in here, but we'll come to that later anyway. Um, so most literalists believe everything is very literal with very little symbolism. This, uh, this view holds to a personal antichrist. We believe that's a real person that's going to come. Um, and I didn't put in there the false prophet, but also there's a second person, the false prophet, creating an unholy trinity of Satan, a Christ type and a Holy Spirit type. Um, that, uh, and the, and the, the futurists are also millennial, um, millenarians. We believe in an actual thousand-year reign of Christ. Now, why a thousand years? I don't know. But that thousand seems to happen a lot in the Scripture, too. Um, a thousand years between this, a thousand years between that. And, and Revelation says he sets up a thousand-year reign. Later on, I'll be talking about people that don't believe there's a thousand-year reign. And I, I don't understand how anybody believes that. And here I go again saying, because I, I can't conceive of it, so therefore you must be wrong. Um, uh, but because it says it will be that. Um, so I, I struggle with that because I'm very, I try to be as literal as possible when reading the scriptures. But there are two groups of futurists. Now, if you were with me at the very beginning early on, I said I don't see it quite like the most popular view. But I want you to understand something. That view and my view are both futurist views. We, we're in this camp, okay? It's just, there's a, there's a slight deviation. So I, I, I put in a bigger description of the, these two views right here. The first I call Darbyist. Uh, there's also known as dispensationalism. Um, uh, so I call it Darbyist. Darbyite dispensationalism it originated with a man, John R. Darby, he was founder of the Plymouth Brethren, um, and Darby believed uh, that a Jesus believed that at Jesus' first coming, he came to establish an earthly kingdom. Uh, man, my spelling is horrible in there. That should be and, not and. Um, and this is why John the Baptist preached the kingdom of God is at hand. And so he believed that Jesus was coming to set up that physical kingdom at that time. And Jesus set out the rules of the kingdom known as the Beatitudes and other things, and the Jews rejected him. And as a result, God withdrew the offer, and the kingdom was postponed until the second coming. Now this is what dispensationalism teaches. The church is a parenthesis in history. Um, and I'm going to repeat this later. Dispensationalism teaches that the Old Testament could not see the church, that it wasn't there. And the way Darby and Schofield is the one who made it very popular, put it in Schofield Bible. Um, uh, the, his study notes are Darbyism notes, that it was the prophets are standing on this mountaintop looking at that mountaintop, and they couldn't see the church in the valley. That's how they describe it. Um, so, th so the church is a parenthesis in history because they withdraw the offer from Israel and he brings in the church. Um, therefore, the church is temporary and will come to an end at the rapture. 
and then God will revert to dealing with Israel. Um, there'll be the sudden the rapture, if you never heard of that, the sudden uh, miraculous removal of all true believers to meet Christ in the air. The word rapture doesn't appear in the Bible. We can define that later if we want to. The rapture will not be visible to the world at large. It's a secret thing. Just, we're just going to disappear. Um, the visible return will be at the end of the tribulation or at the end of the 70th week of Daniel. These are, terms are used interchangeably. And in the tribulation, uh, the Jews are going to return to Jerusalem. The temple will be rebuilt. Sacrifices will resume. And they'll make a deal with the Antichrist who's going to betray them after three and a half years. Now, having had a daughter and son-in-law that lived in Israel, what I have learned, and if you listen in next year around the Passover, around Easter, you will hear that there was a group of priests who petitioned the government in Israel to renew the sacrifices on the Temple Mount. And I, I heard that was like, Stephen, did you hear that? He said, they do it every year. <laughs> this, this, is, this is a goal of theirs. Um, when we were there, it's been three or four years ago now, two, three years ago at least, um, they're excavating all around the temple site. You can walk in the temple of pa uh, Pastor Pete. Pa uh, uh, I, I don't know why I always, I, I go to say Pete and I hit the P and I go Pastor. Um, Pete was over there. Did you see down uh, through that glass down to the lower layers of where the old temples were? Did you go in the temple and look down? Yeah, so if there's a place you can go in and it's glass and there'll be Hasidic Jews there, the, the Orthodox Jews, and they'll be reading scriptures and all. And was that? Yeah, and only the men can go in there. Women, Sorry, ladies, you've got to go over there. That's the way it works in Judaism. So you look down and what you're looking at are the stones that Solomon had put in. I mean, they're, but they're way down. You, you know, you're not going to get a lot of detail, but you know that's down there. That's, that's what you're looking at because it's just been built, the, the next two to build on top of each other. Um, so, I'm just saying all that to say the Jewish people want to rebuild the temple. Do y'all know what the problem is? Why, why they're having trouble rebuilding it? Why they won't let them do it? You have to tear down the second most holy site to Muslims, the Dome of the Rock. They built the dome on the temple site. So now you've got to destroy that, and yeah, they'll just let that happen. Right? That's snarky, right? Yeah, that's snark. Uh, reality, but snarky reality. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, and so there's this, this tension that's going on. Do you suppose that maybe that could blow up into an end-time event? <laughs> yeah, probably. So this Antichrist is going to come, and he's going to make a deal with Israel, and that's why the Bible says when they say peace, peace, there'll be no peace, right? And, it, and in the dispensational view, at three and a half years, he's going he's gonna, to um, go back on his word, and then intense persecution is going to start. The last three and a half years, we'll see this intense persecution that's at the bottom of the page, uh, especially of those who become Christians during the first three and a half years. Um, the Antichrist will demand to be worshipped, and the, refu and the refusal of Christians uh, to worship him, to take the mark, all that stuff, will usher in the Great Tribulation. At the end of all this uh, will be the Battle of Armageddon. And in fact, um, I think, I keep referring back, oh, uh, Andy was there too, Pete and Andy. All of them saw 
Y'all, did y'all see where Savannah and Stephen lived when they were there? They're, they looked out over the valley of Megiddo, which is where Armageddon's going to happen. And, uh, and, and the Bible says the, the blood of men will run as deep as a horse's bridle and that, fill that valley with blood. It is a huge place. Um, stood on their balcony and looked out there and went, you got to be kidding me. That's crazy. Um, it's really something. So uh, he's going to overthrow the Antichrist and establish his kingdom of a thousand years. Jesus will be the chief ruler and the faithful are going to be given, I put cities, but regions or cities to rule along the side of Christ. All that will happen on this planet that is here now. And I'm, I'll, that's found in Luke 19. Because at the end of a thousand years, he's going to make a brand new earth. Okay, So the thousand years will be on this planet. That's why the, the um, revolutionary uh, environmentalists are wrong. We're not going to destroy this planet. Now Revelation says about a third of it's going to get messed up pretty good. right? If you've already read Revelation, and probably you have, a lot of it's going to get torn up. But this world will still be here when Jesus comes back and he will set that up. Will he fix some of it? Probably. Somebody says, oh, you said amen. Amen. Now, the historical futurist is the other view. Yes. It is. Please. Of what? Yes. Okay, yes. Sorry. Um, yeah, uh, the Left Behind series by Tim LaHaye. That's, that would be one. Um, if you're older like me, and you remember the 70s, the late great planet Earth, that made it very popular to the Jesus uh, generation in the 70s. Um, Darbyism started in the early 1800s. 1830 is when the first time the idea that a pre-tribulational rapture would happen. Um, somebody came up with that idea and it developed into a whole system and Schofield put it in his study notes and became the Schofield Bible which they had to revise because one of the notes uh, contradicted the rest of the philosophy so they had to change that note but other than that um, that's what made it very popular so that was adopted and there it, this would have been a book if I'd have written it there's this line from the first guy who thought of this down to today have you ever heard of Dallas Theological Seminary? Okay, that is the brain trust of this viewpoint. Um, Pentecost, Walverd, these are the big names of people who, who believe this way. Um, and they're, they're the guys you read uh, to, to understand it. Have you ever seen all the charts of like, you know, Jesus comes and then this and then, okay. All that, Darby drew all those, okay. That's where all that came from is, is this what we're talking about. Um, there is another way of looking at the futurist view, and you don't hear about this very much. Uh, you know what? I just remember something I, I wanted to do um, to help. And, and, and so I'm going to take a pause from explaining all this because, like Andy said, it is, it is a whole lot. Um, I had to take breaks just even re regurgitating it myself, and I've read all this a lot. Um, if you got your Bible, look in Acts chapter 1. Here's, here's a danger that when we start looking at Revelation, or at, at, let me change how I said that. There's a danger when we start 
uh, focusing on the return of Christ exclusively. And notice I said exclusively. Because I think we should. The Bible said we should love His appearing. We should look forward to it. We should be looking for it. But it's found in, in Acts 1, um, verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven as He went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken away is coming back. Get in Jerusalem, do what he told you to do. All right, so there's a danger. We start, we call it nasal gaving. It's like, what's going to happen? And we, we just, we get consumed by this. And we should be aware of this. You know, when I walk out that door, and, and I've never lived in a safer place in Stanton, Virginia. Let me just tell you that. I, I've lived where, I've, I've walked place, some places where angels fear to tread when I was young and dumb and full of ice cream. I'm old and dumb and armed now, but anyway, not actually, I'm just kidding. But, but having said that, when I walk out, even in here, there's danger. Would you agree? Absolutely, it's spiritual danger, if you don't believe that. Um, yeah, I won't say that. But yeah, there's spiritual danger where I'm standing. There's spiritual danger all around us. There's, there could be physical danger. Remember the little church in Texas a few years back now, four or five years back? Little tiny church, not very big. Some nutcase had a thing and went in and killed everybody in there. I mean, just a little tiny church out in nowhere, Texas, you know. And I don't mean to call a place nowhere, you know what I mean, a backwater spot. This is not a safe place. There is no safe place. And we, if we, and so I say that to say, but when I go out that door, I'm aware of that. But I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm not running around with a gun in my hand. I'm not, I'm not you, know, ex, you know, looking for somebody to jump me. But I'm aware it could happen. So that I'm ready. Jesus is coming back. You better be ready. You better be thinking about that. It could be now. You know, because I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. Nobody knows. He said no man knows the day. God's reserved that for himself. So we don't know. So we ought to be aware. 1 John 3. When we have this hope that we're going to see him. We purify ourselves. We live a holy life because we look forward to him coming and we want to see him. I don't want the last thing I do before I see him to be selfish and self-fulfilling. I want it to be glorifying to him. Yes, ma'am. Ignorance isn't something to be forgiven of. I'm, I'm not sure I fully understand your question, but I think there could be overlapping and understanding. And I'll, I'll give you, for instance, in the 70s, guess who everybody talked about could be the Antichrist? Does anybody remember? Everybody said it. No, no. Reagan wasn't on the scene by the 70s. It was JFK. Why? Well, no, number one, he was a Democrat. I'm sorry, that's true. Number two, what happened to him? She got shot in the head. And the beast, the Antichrist, gets a wound in the head, comes back to life. So it was him. 
Then Reagan got elected. Well, he must be the Antichrist. Then Bush. Then all the Republicans said it was Clinton and Obama, right? Or Carter, you know, or whatever. It's, it's, you know, the other party is the Antichrist always, right? And so especially in 2016, well, we all knew Trump was the Antichrist, right? You know, it's just that's how we think, right? And so it was Mussolini. It was, it was Nero in the early church. I have heard so many things on that, and, and my honest answer is I don't know. Um, there are people that say he's got to be this or got to be that, and I have never quite caught in Scripture that we have the knowledge of where that happens. But, by the way, what does the, do the numbers? This is a future trivia question that we don't have the answer for yet. What does 666 mean? Is that, is that going to be the mark of the beast? Be careful, this is a trick question. It's, it's, it is a number that is the number of the beast, but it doesn't say that that is the mark. The mark does not necessarily have to be the number 666. That is, remember I was talking about literal and figurative? He said, he said this isn't literal, it is the, the number of this man is 666. Now, what could that mean? Well, we'll come to that more later, and I want you to answer it. But remember in Hebrew, three times, it, what's that? Exactly. Uh, I rem you know those scanner bars, the, the, the barcodes? When those came out, UPC symbols. In the 70s, they said every one of them that starts with a six, ends with a six, and there's a six somewhere in the middle. And they were just, they just, and that was the pictures on the cartoons. Have a barcode on your forehead or your hand. Now we have invisible ink. Now you got things you can put under your skin. You know, every generation thinks, oh, there it is. Well, it is pointing to it. it. That's where that overlap comes in. We see it developing and we think, oh, this could be it, this could be it, this could be it. My mind's been blown the past year and a half or two as I've looked at other things that, uh, make me look at Revelation totally differently because I believe now, I believe the book of Revelation started in Genesis 3. Genesis 3, right after the fall of man. I mean, the day after the fall of man, Genesis 3 began. What we're going to see at the end of, Genesis, of Revelation started in Genesis 3, right after the fall of man. That this is the culmination of a warfare between Jesus and Satan that started, not didn't start in the garden, but that's when, okay, it's on. And there's been this conflict, and this is the final battle that we're coming to. That it will be, become a physical, visible battle of spiritual entities, even. Um, because what happened in Revelation? They open the pit, and these things are coming out from somewhere. The Bible says these angels that were fallen are held in captivity until they're released. And the humans that are alive when that happens, whether it's me and you or somebody else, are going to see them, be able to, oh yeah, there they are. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, so I'm telling you, you know, I get convinced and then I start studying. I go, wait a minute, I've got to start all over. I don't know what I'm talking about here. Uh, so I, I, I do have a little bit of humility now. Uh, not a lot, but I got a little bit. Um, so yeah, your question is valid. There is this overlap. And um, I remember 
maybe, I won't say 10 years ago, but inside of 10 years ago, I was going through all this. And I began to see all that world system collapse because, you know, 9-11 happened. That's 20 years ago now. And you could just see that, oh my goodness, the world has to make peace with radical Islam because if, they don't, if we don't, they're going to blow us up, right? I mean, that's what it looked like for a minute or two. Um, we were able to tamp it down, but it, it's going to I remember in the 70s, the gas crisis. Why was there a gas crisis in the 70s? I'm, I'm just telling you, you read, the, you read the newspaper and read the Bible and you go, oh, okay, it's, it's warming up. Why was there a, y'all remember alternate days, even odd, that kind of stuff? Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> what, why did it happen? Right, you know, we use the word embargo to cover a politician's um, reputations. Because we had a weak president, and the people that owned all the oil that we got dependent on said, oh, watch this, and cut it off. And we had quit making it in Texas, or producing it. And suddenly we had a shortage. There wasn't a shortage of oil, there was a shortage of availability to Americans to oil. I had a text evangelist pastor who taught me all this stuff about the dispensational view of Revelation. And he said, man, Texas, you just drive up to a, to a refinery, back your car up, and turn the valve on, put it in your car, and drive off back in the day in Houston where he was from. And then all of a sudden it dried up. And so we saw, um, and I'm not, I'm not condemning Arabs or anybody else, but they took an economic advantage of us and cut off our supply, to, and prices started rising, so they make more money. That's called good business, but it's an evil way to do it, right? I mean, good business in that they got a lot of money, but we got hurt. So there's plenty, guess what? There's plenty of oil. There's more oil under the ground on the border of Canada and the United States than there is in all of the Middle East. But we can't get to it because politicians won't let us. I'm sorry, say that again. Oh, yeah. One currency. Right. Yeah, and in the 70s, that was a big deal because the European common market had come into existence. Ten countries back then, I think, or nine or 12. Or, and because there's a number in Revelation of how many countries come together, and there, so there was that, a, a one world system. Do y'all know what they talk about today as far as economics worldwide go? Even more than that. It's called the Great Reset. I, I think I mentioned this in here before. They want to reset everything. They want to go to a cashless society. They want to go to a... Did you know there's, there are stores? Is it Amazon stores? You, there's, there's a store. It's either Amazon or Google. It must be Amazon. You do not have to carry your wallet in there. You have signed up. You walk in, and of course you've got Apple Pay or whatever. You walk in, face recognition, recognize your face. You pick up what you want, and when you walk out, the sensors know what you're carrying, and you get a bill. Oh, you got to get a mark to have a mark? No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 
this has been some years back. We had we had a friend, and he was a, he was an operator in the Navy. He was he he did stuff you know you can't talk about. And I, I just read a bunch. I, I've told this story before. I hope it wasn't in here. But anyway, and I've read a lot about different groups in the Navy. And when, and when they started with the special warfare groups in the Navy, they would not allow them to have tattoos because if an enemy combatant saw that and then saw you over there, he knew you were part of something that they don't know what that is and they don't want that to be discovered. I don't know if you've seen any of these current guys, but they all got big old sleeves. So I, I asked him, I said, why do they now can do that? He said, facial recognition. I said, what? He said, if your face has been on Facebook or Instagram or any of those medias, you walk in any airport in the world and any government in the world can know you're there. And so our operators have to use prosthetics and makeup and stuff to alter the contours of their face so they can't be recognized when, if they go commercial, they, they, change, they alter their appearance enough somehow. I didn't tell me anything how they do that, but they can do that, and they have to, because once they're known, they're known. So if you go into the, that world, they scrub your existence off of the internet, period. You do not exist anymore as far as the world looking for you. You can't be found. Because um, you can be found. So now, you know, way back here, in the beginning of the 70s or in the 60s, a computer was as big as a city building in New York City. You know, the, the computers on the Apollo 11 that took us to the moon were the size of five Commodore 64s. To now, I got more power in this phone than all of that put together. And so when we read all this weird stuff in Revelation, we're going, as this technology advances, it just, it just starts happening. So anyway, go ahead. Right. Diabetes. And, and this is already in operation. Um, they can take a, vi a virus and plant a parasite in it that will alter your DNA. That is already proven. Nothing could possibly go wrong with that, could it? Because they're going to do it for good because they're going to cure me of diabetes. And then they're going to create, be able to make sure your baby can live 200 years, 300 years, 400 years, be stronger, smarter, better. You wouldn't want your baby to be one of those weakling kind that only live 80 years, would you? And there's the mark. This is, this is not futuristic. It is currently happening. This is, okay, I'm going to bring a roll of tinfoil next week. We can all make a hat. <laughs> this is why people got real upset about the COVID vaccines. Um, it is said, I do not know this to be a fact, it is said that that's what Pfizer did. They put a DNA altering thing in that shot. Now that is the rumor, that's the crazy rumor. I'm not saying it's true, not saying that, I'm saying people are talking that way. There is some truth to an ability to do something like that in the world. The Combi Sun works in that field. They, they, they'll tell you it's crazy to say that happened because probably did not happen. But there is that theoretical possibility, let me put it that way. I, whether it's happening or not, I don't know. I can't say that. I don't know. I've never seen it. Don't know it. Don't know enough. Know it. 
just telling you, our, why did God destroy Babel? What did, what, did he tell, what did he say to himself? Why did God say, we got to go down there and stop all that? Yeah, they, they can do anything they think. And guess what? We all talk common language now, computer language. Google Translate, yeah, we, we all talk a common language now. And, oh, if you want to learn a new language, it's called Babel. <laughs> you can go get that. So I, I'm, I'm just saying that all this stuff has application even today that we go, oh, oh, oh. It's getting crazier and crazier. Now, like I said, that, what I told you was, is a far-out weird thing, but that is, that is being talked about. And whether it's true or not, I can't, I can't say but, but there is that. Is that. Um, there is an altering of, of the human genome in the Bible. Oh, sorry, yes. Yes. Right. My statement says, hey, wow, look at that really looks like the way. If you look back through history as a generation and what they wrote some of the times, you realize it's almost like a regurgitated view of somehow they became. Yes, exactly. Even look at sickness and then COVID and you've got the plague. Yeah. It's like they were talking about that then. Yeah. Because they didn't know enough. Yeah. Discrediting all these things as. Right. 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 Yeah. And what is our work? What is our work? Yeah. That's our work. That's that's how we take care of this, because whatever is going to happen, my only safety is in Christ. And dying is not the worst thing that can happen to me. I, I promise you that. Um, like I said, I, I was there last night, and that was extremely sad. I cried quite a bit. Um, for me especially, but um, man, thank God, I'm jealous, you know, he got to go, and uh, we're still here, but yeah, and, and that's what I was trying to warn, and then I go into it, we start nasal gaving about this stuff, and we're just looking at that, and we get, we get crazy in our head, and we forget what we're supposed to be doing, that's why I said Acts 110, why y'all standing around looking up, he's coming back, just get to, get to work, you know, it'd be like my... Uh, I'm, I'm a slow processor, and please don't ask me what that means, and my wife is a fast processor. She, I'm the Commodore 64, and she's whatever's way out there now. Um, and, uh, and, and so she can do 10 things while I'm thinking about the first one. And we can't work together, because we're going to clean this room, and I'll spend all day cleaning that drawer. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm that, I'm that guy. And, uh, and so it's, if, I get, if I do that, all of a sudden, I get real intense right here, and then I forget the job. And uh, oh my goodness, how many times have I heard my parents or somebody else say, "Hey, get to it!" Oh, sorry, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's tough, and the Lord has to kick me like that every, occasionally as well. All right, so I'm on whatever page this is. Uh, this historical futurist, um, they see. Uh, and, and this word historical here relates to this was believed up to 1800s. 
Um, they deny the distinction between the rapture and the second coming. They believe that is one event. That's all going to happen together. It's, gonna, it's not going to happen at the exact same time, but the rapture will happen and he will be coming back at the same time. Um, and all believers who are alive at that time will go meet him in the air to come back to this earth um, to, to help rule. Um, the historical futurists also believe there's going to be an antichrist. They also believe the temple will be rebuilt. They also believe the events of Revelation are going to happen. But here are some distinctions in between them. Um, the second coming is, is not a two-parter. It's a one-parter. Dispensationalism teaches um, that there's a secret rapture at the beginning of a seven-year period of tribulation known as the Great Tribulation. Or actually, the last three and a half are known as the Great Tribulation, but the whole thing, the Tribulation. And the beginning will be the rapture. The end will be the visible second coming of Christ. Historical premillennialism also, well, I'll show you that in a second. Yes. What? I'm sorry. Somebody has what? Question. Somebody have a question? Oh, okay. Um, the historical uh, it says that that entire second coming happens at the end. Um, if you've ever seen all the charts, there was a bumper sticker, and it's still out there, I guess. And it, was a, it looked like a fish hook with an arrow and then an arrow going up. And this was Jesus coming down, meeting the church, and then going back up. Well, if you turn it upside down, that's what this one says. <laughs> that he's coming, and we're going to go meet him, and we're all coming back this way instead of going that way. The Bible doesn't say we go to heaven. It says we will ever be with the Lord. So if... Right, that's dispensationalism. Historical says one, it's a one event. It's all going to happen at the same time. Um, and, and by the way, I'm just explaining how people look at it. I'm going to ask you to look into the text and show me where you find what you, what you want to believe. Because I don't want to tell you what to believe. I want you to figure it out for yourself. And you've got you to gotta filter out that sometimes I get crazy and, and say things wrong. Um, so, also, they don't believe necessarily the tribulation is going to be seven years. More or less, believe it would be three and a half years. So, but that, that varies. It could be that there is this warming up period. It could be that we start going, oh my gosh, yes, oh my gosh, yes. I mean, the first four seals are economic disaster and warfare like maybe we've never seen before. And after two world wars and the war on terror for 20 years, how much worse is it going to get? You know, um, economics and all of these things. So, so the Christian, like you said, the elect uh, can be deceived. Uh, even the elect can be deceived by the devil if we're not careful. Um, but as we see it warming up, we go, whoa, there's a sign, there's a sign, there's a sign. And we get more and more uh, aware, at least. A second thing is the 70th week of Daniel. A dispensationalist says that's all in the future. Historical premillennialism says it, it, it ended in 70 A.D. at the fall of Rome, uh, fall of Jerusalem, uh, by Titus the Roman. On the interpretation of the elements found in Revelation, this is where I just talk about the literalism and the literalism, but it may be symbolic as well, um, kind of happening. Um, it, it can be more symbolic than the dispensational view, and then the church, and this is the big, this is the demarcation. The dispensationalist teaches that there is no church seen in the Old Testament and there are two methods of salvation, the keeping of the law and the means of grace. Um, these two are separate and they do not operate together. Um, 
And Israel and the church are two separate entities that never mix. The historical view is that God has one plan of salvation, which is culminated in the church and accomplished by the finished work of Christ on the cross. Israel must be saved by faith uh, in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. You cannot be saved apart from that. There's only one way of salvation, and the name is Jesus. So that's some of the things. There's actually six more. I just got tired of writing them, so I just... How are those two different? Um, because in the dispensationalist view, God had a plan, and Israel rejected the plan. So he said, okay, well, I'm going to move to the church, and we'll have the church. And dispensationalist teaches, official doctrine teaches, that the Old Testament did not see the church. And so it didn't see the church. It didn't say it didn't see the Messiah. It said it didn't see the church. So when they rejected the, their Messiah, he turned to the Gentiles and let the Gentiles come in under grace, under salvation by grace. And he set aside the Jews. He withdrew the offer for a time. And then in Revelation, we see him returning to deal with the Jews. In the dispensationalist view, there's 144,000 Jews saved in the tribulation. Um, and, and that sort of thing. Um, today's Sunday school lesson was Zephaniah. Did I say it right? Uh, Pete told me it was going to be Zephaniah. I said first lesson is to be able to say Zephaniah. Um, and it's about how God's going to deal with Israel in the end. But if you read Zephaniah 3 carefully, in the end they will see their Messiah. And so I, this is full honesty, I don't know how he's going to do that. Let, let, let's say that that. Uh, that all the Jews of all time have the opportunity to be saved at that point. The way they'll be saved is they'll see Jesus and say, yes, you're the Messiah. Now, if they reject him there, they're lost forever. Because there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because it leads to, to their persecution. Um, so, uh, so in there, that's the difference in, in the church. So the historical view is that there's only one way to salvation and that there's a progress of, of understanding of redemption from the very beginning, the plan never changed. God said, I got plan A. If that doesn't work, I'm going to go back on plan. I'm just going to revert to plan A. Like it never goes to plan B. This message teaches there was... Innocence in the garden, then there was, uh, I forget what you call, between Adam and the flood, um, there was that. Then there's the flood and starting all over, and then we get the law, and then we get Christ, and Israel rejects Christ, so we have the church, and then after the church we have the second coming, and then everybody gets to come in, and he's going to work that out. And I, I really don't know all the details of how they might teach that, I don't even know, I don't know the details of how the other people teach that. Um, but it seems to me that it's either um, God's just going to miraculously let all the Jews in or the Jews that are alive. I mean, it doesn't seem, okay, this is me speculating out loud. I don't know. It doesn't seem fair that only the Jews who happen to be alive when he comes back get a chance. So I would think it has to be offered to all of them of all history. That's just speculation. I don't know. How's he going to do that? I don't know. Because one of my favorite sayings is God's God and he can do what he wants. I don't care. I don't, I, I'm not telling him how to do it. What's that? Are you talking about salvation of the Jews? Yeah. In the tribulation time? 
Well, not only that, but at the end of the tribulation, will they have that opportunity? Right. Well, then you must be a historical premillennialist. Yes, the Antichrist will. Right, and that, and you're right. The, the 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 Antichrist will set himself up as God, and then, and then, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna betray him. Yes. Um, I would well, from yes and no, because I would say you're you're on the same track that I'm on, but I would say that differently. And I found pins here before. I don't remember where. Anybody come to this class and know where they grab those from? I think they're in here. Okay. I've, I've drawn this chart so many times. <laughs> um, uh, to, to, let me see which one writes. Oh, that one writes good. We'll just use this one. Um, do you remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus that Jesus told? Okay. So what, what's the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Yes, yeah, time to go home. Yep. What what happened in the rich man Lazarus? Okay, so we'll call this side Abraham's bosom. I can't spell bosom. B U, right? B O S O N? That's Basan, right? <laughs> How about Bazoom? All right, I don't know. I don't know. Please forgive me. My wife's embarrassed. I'm sorry. So, all right, so, so, so Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom. What happened to the rich man? Where'd he go? Yeah, he went to hell. Okay, now the word hell is Gehenna, right? G, uh, Gehenna, G-E-H-A-N-N-A-H, something like that. Gehenna, A-H. This is... This is the place of the dead. That's what the word means. All right. Now, let me just pause and ask this question. What, I already ran out of ink. What did Jesus say to the thief on the cross who said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom? No, no, no. no. What did Jesus say to the rich man on the cross who said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom? The thief on the cross. What did I say? Yeah, what did Jesus say to the thief on the cross? Whew, I'm telling you, I'm tired. What did he say? Today what? You'll be where? You'll be with me in paradise. Any other place that the word paradise appears in the Bible? Anywhere... It's, a para it's sort of like dice, only it's not dice. It's paradise. It's beside the dice. I'm sorry. 
Right, sorry. I knew I knew better. I saw the horrible the horrified look on the face back there like what did I do wrong? All right. I did spell hell. Well, it's it's the kind of kind of word. I'm the only person I know who can make typos writing with my hand. All right, so so I don't know any other place in the Bible that that I don't know any place in the Bible paradise is referred to as heaven. And the Garden of Eden was known as a, as a paradise, right? So, the place of the dead is not all evil. So, here we have Lazarus, here we have the rich man, and my brother was already saying it. And the rich man cries out and says, Hey, send Lazarus over to dip his finger in water and touch my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son... <laughs> can't happen because those that are over there can't come to us and those that are over here can't come to you. And beside that, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who would want to can't get over. So Jesus dies on the cross. Who's on this side? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Adam, Noah, Jonah, Obadiah. Zechariah, Zephyrah. Jesus telling the story, he knows the names of the roll call is over there. And Lazarus is there in Abraham's bosom. And over here are those that with no faith. They had no faith in God to save them. So Jesus dies and he goes and preaches to the prisoners in prison that who were this could refer to those before the flood, but personally I think all those in the Old Testament are awaiting deliverance. And, he, and the Bible says he led, boy, I don't know why I'm even trying to write it, he led captivity captive. And he took them to heaven. So the old... What did I do now? Okay, thanks. Yeah, y'all are sweet to me. I'm, hey, I'm doing this from my head. This is pretty good, really. Um, so, yeah, so, so this is how I understand that passage, what you're saying. Jesus didn't die and go to hell, hell. He went to the place of the dead. It says he took the keys of the kingdom. He unlocked it, said, let's go. We're out of here. Today you'll be with me in paradise, and we'll go get everybody out. And then, so then when he's seen in the garden, he said, I haven't ascended to the Father yet, so I have a little trouble there. I'm not sure exactly how to place that. But. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you didn't do enough good to get to heaven, so you got to wait a little while, yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah, the words are irrelevant. It's the intention of my heart. Do I cry out? Do I want to follow Christ? And if I do, then I, now, now that this has happened, I don't have to go this way. I go to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So if I'm going to be with him, I get to go straight to heaven, right? So this is how I understand what happened at the cross or after the cross. 
but now I don't have to go through paradise to get to heaven. And, and the place of the dead is just filled with evil dead, right? So, well, there's a lot more on your papers. It's really getting late. It's after six. The weather's getting worse and worse and worse. Yes, there is. Um, th- what's that? Oh, mine was, well, yours lasted longer than mine. Mine was done in about five, but there is the fourth view there, the idealistic or timeless symbolic. It means nothing's literal. It's all symbolic all the time. If you, you can read this and understand it, it's not that difficult. There are three views of the millennium, pre, ah, and post. I copied the definition from Got Answers, or no, Got Questions. Is a website, and I just put their definitions on there. They're very easily understood. We are all premillennialists. We believe there will be a millennium, and Jesus will come back. Here's the homework. It's the last back page. Answer who, what, when, where, and why about Revelation 4. And I gave some prompting ideas, and that's how we're going to do it. I want you to come in with questions. If you don't have questions, we won't have a whole lot to say. But uh, we're going to try to, I'm going to try to study and be ready. I hope you can stump me so that uh, you know that um, we all got to study. What's that? Yeah. I got to go home and learn how, what's the difference between a bassoon and a bosom? I don't know. So anyway, um, what do you call that instrument that girl plays at church? A, uh, is that a clarinet? Where's, what is the one with the little tiny oboe, I guess, is that one, right? Yeah, I did mean here, but that's clarinet. But then there's a, isn't there some wind instrument that starts with a B like that? What's it? A bassoon. Okay, I said it right. Okay, good. All right. Well, listen, if we can't have fun in here, please. I, I, listen, I'm just struggling myself to figure it all out, too. So let's struggle together, and we'll enjoy it. The Bible, that's why the Bible says, you're blessed just read it, man. It's, you don't have to worry about details so much, but just read it and know that Jesus is in charge. That is the point of Revelation. Chapters 4 and 5, go ahead and give away part of it. It's about who's on the throne. It's a view of heaven. What we were just talking about, we get to see what it looks like uh, in chapters 4 and 5. So look at it closely and, 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 and notice how many different characters are there. It's pretty amazing.